Okay, welcome back, everyone. I uh, ha- hope you have a fantastic week. Uh, we left off last week talking about the three reasons we fail to see the abundance of goodness in our lives. And I want to review that and then continue. Sir Rabbeinu Bachia, the great uh, early commentator on the Torah, says that there are three reasons why we neglect seeing the abundance of goodness that we have. The first is we're too absorbed in our worldly things. We're too materialistic. When someone is so materialistic, it's very hard to appreciate what it is that you have. So, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about this in one of our other classes this week, where we have so much, and yet we're not happy. It's interesting that our sages tell us in the Mishnah, Ezehu Ashir, Who's the wealthy man? Who's the one who made it? You know what they call today? Oh, that that guy? Very successful, right? That, that, that guy? Really successful, right? Is that what success is? That someone made it in business? Is that how we define success? Or do we define success as someone who's a good husband, a good wife, a good parent, a good child, a good neighbor, a good friend, but we're cheapening the idea, the concept of being a, a successful person to materialistic objects. The, the Mishnah tells us, you want to know who's successful? You want to know who's got it? Someone who's happy with his share. Someone who's happy with what they have. Someone who feels that everything that they have is a gift from the Almighty. Thank you for giving me everything I have. Stopping and appreciating it. Not just looking for the next thrill, the next purchase, the next uh, object I can buy. What happens to such a person is they feel enriched every day because the fact that we have eyesight, you know, we say a blessing every single morning, pokach ivrim, that God makes those who are blind able to see. I have a, one of my pet peeves is I, I ask doctors about their, profession so if i have an eye doctor i'll ask him tell me about the eye tell me something i don't know and it's an amazing thing do you know how many nerves there are in the eyes well the number uh, there's a numerical value there's a numerical value to every letter in in the hebrew alphabet okay so aleph is one bet is two gimel is three all the way to yud which is ten and then you have Kaf is 20, Lamed is 30. Does anybody what know what the word for I is? Ayin. Ayin is also a letter. You know what let, What the numerical value of it is? No, that, that's Yud. 70. 70. Ayin is 70. There are 70 nerves in the eye. Isn't that amazing? Is that amazing? You know what? It's not, it doesn't make sense that we should be able to see color, that we should be able to see things and be able to. It really is an unbelievable gift that God gave us, that we can have our eyes and we can move it around from side to side, up, down. We can see uh, bright colors. We can see dark colors. It gets used to the dark. It's, re- it's really amazing. We make a blessing every morning. Thank you, God, for making us who are blind able to see. You know, they have these videos you can see on YouTube every once in a while or on Facebook of someone who can uh, can uh, hear for the first time. And you see the joy and the excitement. Uh, it, it, so you can get emotional from just watching the excitement and joy that they have for being able to hear and being able to see. It's the most incredible thing. They they had this um, this family gave their father a uh, g- a a gift of a certain type of glasses that would able to put it put things into color for them. Really incredible technology, and he was so so like he started crying. He couldn't believe it because now the whole world is so rich with color. It's a you know grass isn't gray. Grass is green. Right, and the door here isn't isn't a beautiful mahogany uh, brown, right, or you know maple brown. 
it is, it actually has color. It's not everything's black and white. Suddenly you see this richness of life, right? Now, if a person is too immersed in materialism, they can't even stop to appreciate that. They can't even stop to appreciate the gifts that God gives us. So Rabbeinu Bachir tells us the first reason we don't appreciate what we have is because we're too immersed in our physicality. We're too immersed in our, you know, you know, you know what, what opens up people's senses? People's senses. If you go on a cruise, and I hope that if you do so, you don't have a phone. Take away your phone, or make sure that there's, there's you go on a cruise that has no mobile reception, no Wi-Fi, no nothing. And you know what will happen? It'll take probably a day or two to just unwind and to just get out of that need to be on. But then you suddenly, you start experiencing life. You start, you know, you start seeing things. You start feeling things. You start appreciating the ear. You start appreciating the light. You start appreciating sound. Problem is, we're so immersed in our little devices that we we don't we don't have time to open up our senses to the amazing world we have next to us. You know that that we're in the world that we're in. We don't have an appreciation for it. You go to the woods. Go where there's not. Go camp out. You'll have a whole new appreciation. The problem is the materialism doesn't let us open up our sensors for all of the gifts that we have. It blocks them. So the second is that the, um, the Rabbeinu Bachia tells us that the second reason why we don't appreciate what we have is because everything becomes normal to us. It becomes routine. It's What do you mean? Everybody can see. What do you mean? I've been... I, I've never had an issue with my eyesight. I don't know why, what, like, what's the big gift? What's the big deal? You know, <laughs> my wife posted a, uh, a, um, one of those memes, right? It says, only a woman who gave birth without an epidural can understand a man with a cold. So, right, do we appreciate what it means to have good health? Do we appreciate what it means to be able to walk? But sometimes if we have one little twist in our, with our health, we get a cold or, if, you know, we have something even more serious than that, right? Suddenly, you know, thi serious things can happen. We, we recognize when things are not going well for us with our health, how fragile we are. The status that we have, called homeostasis, that we have with our body, to be balanced, to be able to, is, is not an easy thing for our body to constantly readjust everything that's needed so that we have a very balanced, healthy life. Do you want to know? You want to hear something else that's spooky? Okay, we said the iron is 70 because there are 70 nerves in the eye. You want to know something else that's really crazy? Do you know the word for balance in Hebrew? Well, we have scales, right? Scales are balance. It's called moznaim. Moznaim are scales. What other word rhymes with that in our body? Oznaim. People have ear infection. They lose their balance. When people have certain things, your oznaim, your ears, are your balance. One little ear infection, you can get, you can get, uh, you know, what do they call that? Uh, vertigo, right? You can get all this dizziness. You can get all, it's, right, from what? From one little imperfection in what's a miracle to be perfect as, as is, right? If we just stopped and realized that it's not normal, it's not normal for, has, uh, for us to have all of these incredible gifts, then that's step two, to not becoming uh, lax in our appreciation. And the third is we focus too much on what we don't have. Instead of saying, you know what, and, and we, should, we should really do this, take a time to just thank the Almighty for everything you have. You have clothes on you, right? Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. You have, you have a shirt you're wearing, everyone's wearing a shirt. You have sunglasses. You have a watch, you have jewelry, 
Yeah, it, it's um, unbelievable. Did anybody walk here today? Nobody walked here today. Everyone came here by car with air conditioning, with heating if necessary. Right? It, it really is amazing. But to stop and appreciate it, right? The, the only benefit that we will have when we have proper appreciation is we'll be happier. We'll be happier. We will be, because suddenly we'll realize, wow, all this for me, you know, the Talmud says in Sanhedrin, Tractate Sanhedrin, it says that a person should always be used to saying, Bishvili nivra ha'olam, the world was created for me. What do you mean it was created for me? What do you mean it was created for me? You're so selfish, you think the world was created just for you? Yes. Everything in your world was created for you. You're, you have custom-made parents for you. You have custom-made siblings for you. E- every interaction that you've had was God putting you in a place, in a time, that's custom-made for you. If you don't realize that it's all for you, you're missing out. You're missing it says, Olam Yomar Adam. A person should always say, Bishvili Nivra Olam was created for me. Right? It gives a whole new appreciation to everything that goes on around us. Bishvili Nivra Olam. We focus too much on what we don't have. If you look at what you do have, you will gain a new appreciation for life. The Torah teaches us not to reject the Egyptians. We left off with this last week. The Egyptians, we were slaves to them for 210 years. Yeah, but they still fed us. Do you know that Moses was not allowed to hit the water because that same water saved him? So he, he wasn't, you know why? Because not because hitting that water would be something which is called kfiyutova. You know what kfiyutova is? Kfiyutova in Hebrew is someone who denies the good that he benefited from. He rejects the good that he benefited from. I'll give you an example. Um, you know, we, we all have houses, thank God, that have, that have uh, furniture. We enjoyed our furniture. At some point, we were very excited to buy this furniture or to have it, a chair to sit on, a table to put our food on. Now, what's, you know, what happens if one of the chairs break? It's not repairable. Do we take it with dignity and put it in the garbage? Or do we make it into our, uh, our you know, they have this thing now for people who don't know how to deal with their, with their uh, anger. What do they think? They throw axes. You know those things? They throw axes, and then they, and they break, break glasses. They, you can go in with a baseball bat and smash bottles, and you can get out all of your rage, Right? But this is something you benefited from, perhaps. You be- benefited from this chair. You benefit. Why would someone go and 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 completely destroy something they've benefited from? It's not recognizing the good that we've benefited from. Someone does some a kind thing for you. Our sages tell us there's no expiration for appreciation. Now to do something against that person, impossible. That person went out of their way to help me. That person, even if they didn't go out of their way to help me, I benefited from them. How can I do something against them? We, we see this today. We see this hypocrisy in politics. We see this hypocrisy in, in, in any, any place we go to. Someone can, uh, can help you out in a situation when you're, when you're in need. And then when you're no longer in need, you don't even know who they are. You don't remember them. You don't talk to them, right? It, it, people can do that. I'm sure everyone here has experienced a time like that when we were on the receiving end of that, where we helped someone out, and then they, they're, they're successful. They become the head of school. You're trying to talk to them about your child. They don't, they don't even recognize. Who, who are you? Sorry. What's your name? <laughs> right? right. Wh- whatever it is, it's the idea that we can we can um, refuse to recognize the good that we benefited from. 
that's a very, very terrible thing our sages tell us, and that we see that in the Torah. It's called a, it's a very, very, very terrible thing for us to refuse the good we benefited from. There's so many examples of uh, scenarios where people's entire lives changed and they recognized who, it, who, that, who benefited them from this. They were inspired by a lecture. They went to a rabbi's sermon and the rabbi inspired them. It changed their life. You're forever indebted. You're f- you forever need to pay uh, uh, an appreciation and have gratitude for that, for that inspiration. It can... Could have changed. It changed your whole life. It changed everything. Your whole direction. Your whole understanding of mankind. It says a very interesting thing in the Mishnah. It says anyone who learns something from another person needs to call them Rebbe. You need to call them your rabbi. Why? Yeah, it doesn't mean you have one. You don't have. You don't, I have many rabbis who told me many many things. If someone teaches you something, meaning. It puts you on a path that you haven't been on before. It sets you in a direction that you weren't aware of before. Call them Rebbe. Give them honor. You know why? Because now your whole life was enhanced because of it. Your whole life changed because of them. You owe them that debt of gratitude. It says, Bor shashatita bo maim al tizruk bo evan. A pit from which, a well from which you drank water don't throw stones at it. You benefited from it. Right? Don't, don't defile what you benefited from. And that we see from Moses. Moses himself could not strike the water. I can't. can't do it. Aaron can do it for me. Aaron doesn't have that same uh, debt of gratitude. Appreciation is the key to so many traits. Right? When we appreciate what we do have, we become happier. And walk around your house and take an accounting of everything that you have. You have a nice rug. Thank you for that rug, Hashem. Thank you. I appreciate having this rug. You have chairs, you have tables, you have a coffee pot. You have running water in your house. I mean, you think about the simple things. We have running water in our, ho- in our homes. We have hot water on demand. And it wasn't so simple. You had to warm up a whole, a whole uh, kettle or a whole big pot if you wanted a hot bath. Forget about a hot shower. Today, boom. Right? You, you, know, what, you know what people once said? You know the advertisement? that they had when the first washing machine came out? Anybody know what the, the advertisement was? What are you going to do with all that time? What are you going to do with all that time? And today we're like, <gasps> can't believe it. Laundry, right? You're kidding? You once had to schlep that laundry to the riverbank, right? And rinse it out with, uh, with a special soap, right, and hang for two hours in the sun, right, and we're fetching that we just drop it into a machine, put a little, you don't even have to measure anymore. You have these little pods. You just put the pod in, and boom, it's done. You come back 25 minutes later, 40 minutes later, and it's all clean, and it, f- it smells fresh and delicious, and we're complaining about that. And then you put it into the next machine, and it dries it. And today, they even have folding machines where you don't need to iron things. It'll fold it for you. And we're complaining. You can find it. Right? It's, it really is remarkable. Yes. Sure.
The Talmud said, first is, it means you're living. That is the first sign, okay? The first thing you have to know when you have ups and downs, when you look at an EKG, right, you see it goes up and down and up and down and up and down. That means you're alive, right? If it was going flat, you're dead, okay? Healthy people have ups and downs. Normal people have ups and downs. That is the natural state of life. The second thing is that the Talmud tells us that just as we make a blessing and thank God for the good, we thank God for the bad. Because many, many times we see that the bad is sometimes a better wake-up call than the good. Okay? And it, 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 it can get into a very, into a very lengthy um, topic which we're not really dealing with right now. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll understand what pain and suffering is, and we'll we'll explain it, and we'll 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 learn to. But the idea here is that every single person is given their own basket of challenges. My sister-in-law had a great example. She said there is a show called Chopped. Chopped. Okay. Now, Chopped. What it is is basically is that every person is given a box of ingredients, and they give you a certain time period, and you have to make the best, most delicious food out of the ingredients they gave you. And that's it you have. You, don't, you can't bring your own ingredients from your home. You can't bring your own things. You have to make the best out of what you have here. That's our life. Everyone is given their own box with their own ingredients. And those ingredients are the talents and skills that we have, that we were gifted with. It comes, th- those ingredients are your parents, your grandparents, your brothers, your sisters, your neighbors, your friends, your, your intellect, your character. These are all part of that box. And our job in this world is to make the best we can make out of what's in that box. The problem is, is that we look at someone else's box and we're like, huh, if I had only those problems, I'd be, life would be perfect. Guess what? You don't know everything. You know they say that if all if everyone put their their um, their troubles in the middle of the room, right? If everyone put their troubles in the middle of the room, no one would pick anybody else's. You'd pick your own. You know why? Because yours are custom tailored for you to deal with. You can deal with them. Nobody else can deal with your challenges. That's why you're unique. You have your own DNA. You have your own fingerprint. You're the only one who can deal with your challenges. God gives us the, the challenges that we can deal with. That's why we're all unique. We all look different. It says, Just as their faces are different, their opinions are different. Their challenges are different. Their thoughts are different. Their skills and abilities are different. We're all different. Right? It's an amazing thing that everyone thinks that their challenges are more difficult than anyone else's until we start listening to other people's problems. You're like, phew, thank God I don't have issues like that in my marriage. Thank God I don't have issues like that with my children. Thank God I don't have issues like that with my finances. Thank God I don't have issues like that with with whatever it is. Everyone has issues. I I can we can go around this room. We're not going to, but we could go around this room and ask people what's the biggest struggle they're dealing with. And we'll be like, "You know what? Thank God I don't have that problem." Okay? I I have a different problem. We all have issues. The issues means that we're alive, we're in the game. You know, I always tell people that when you go uh, to the Texans uh, game, right, so you know why they don't throw the ball to you? Because you're not in the game, all right? You're not in the game. You're in the, you're in the stands. So in the stands, they don't throw the ball to you, right? But if you get on that field, you better be alert because they'll be throwing that ball, and it'll be coming fast, and it'll hit you. And you never know. You might get a concussion because that's what happens on a football field, right? But you go to a baseball game. They're not either throwing the ball to you. Unless you're like, you know, right by the stands over there, they'll throw you a ball. But that's it. You know why? Because you're not in the game. 
When we're in the game of life, God throws us a ball. He throws us a curveball. He'll throw us a fastball. He'll throw us, throw us a changeup. He'll throw us challenges. Because God says, listen, I'm, you might strike out once. You might strike out twice, but you'll eventually hit a home run. And when you do, that is the feeling of success. That is the feeling of joy, of fulfillment. Right? People who are challenged with anger. I know someone who was an angry person. Very angry. In the sense that they couldn't control their anger. If they got angry about something, I mean, I, I saw this person take something, throw it through a ceiling. Right? Back when I was a child. Okay? This individual would take something, throw something through the ceiling. And his parents worked with him to work on this trait, which was a given trait by the Almighty. God gave him this trait. You have to work on controlling it. Right? And he's completely changed, transformed, a different person. I know this because it's my brother. My brother has such a temper, right? Not the one who lives here in Houston. He lives in Israel. You'd meet him today. He's like the softest, gentlest, sweetest little fuzzball. You know, he's like a little, right? He's so sweet and gentle. And you wonder, this guy had a temper? This guy got mad? You'd never believe it in a million years. Because you work on it. If you work on, on a trait, it ch you change. Right? Yeah, so... Are there instances that I'm sure he's attacked by this desire to immediately respond with anger? Or to I'm sure he is. But now he has the tools to work on it. And every time he does, it's, it's, a, it's a feeling of accomplishment, of, of success. We all have frustrating things in our lives. That's correct. Right. Our job is not to understand what's going on in their brain. Our job is not to perfect others. Our job is to perfect ourselves. We're, we, we can't, we can fix a washing machine. We can't fix our neighbor. We can't fix our friend. We can't fix our spouse. We can't either fix our children. We somewhat can try to fix ourselves. You understand that the, the only, I would disagree with the premise on Job that he didn't grow. Absolutely he grew. All of the challenges helped him become a better person. And wasn't it worth it just so that he can have that dialogue and he can grow? Sometimes God needs to beat us down for us to wake up and say, you know what? I, you're right. I got it. I got it. I, I'm so, I was blind. But he didn't either leave the game. And that's the challenge. The challenge is sometimes just stay in it. Stay in it. Don't, don't pull the lever and say, I give up. Don't say, I'm, I'm done with trying. We don't file bankruptcy. We keep on trying, and we keep on trying, and we keep on trying. Particularly when it comes to our traits. I'm not talking about business, but we, we don't, right? The idea is that we don't, we're not here. You know, it's like we say like this, okay? What is Adam? Man, we're, why is he called Adam? Because it's from the ground, right? Because he was taken from the ground. Our sages say there's another reason. It's because it's Adame. He has to be godlike. Adame is to emulate God. Now, take the earth. What happens when you plant something? You hope it grows. It takes it, it takes hold, right? And it starts growing. And you wonder, 
what happens when you see those little buds? And my kids come home before Tu B'Shvat. They come home with this cup of dirt, right? And their teacher tells them to put in, you know, three drops of water in every day, right, so that it's something can grow. And eventually you see a little bud coming out. And they get so excited. The kids get, wow, my, my tree is growing, right? And really is amazing. It's amazing. But now, you know what I want to do? I want to take that little bud and I want to pull it out and make it into a tree. What's going to happen? It dies. <laughs> it dies. You know why it dies? Because it's not there yet. Sometimes we want the final product before we've ever worked through the issue. I want to never have this issue again. Well, it takes time. You know, anybody here has ever gone on a diet, right? There's, there's, there's never been a time that I got on a diet where I said, I'm really looking forward to the next five months of, <laughs> all right, right? Exactly. That's not what I look forward to, right? But it's a process. And it's going to be one pound the one week and two pounds the next week and three pounds the n- or maybe one pound. Or maybe you gain a, gain a little bit more. And you're like, that's part of the process. Dieting, I think, is very, very similar to our spiritual growth patterns. It's called life. So I'll t- So there's two things that I, I want to comment on. Number one is that Job, according to most commentaries, is really Moses. Job was Moses, and that is Moses' struggles throughout his life that's being displayed in the book of Job. According to most commentaries. Second, is that King Solomon tells us, your head spinning? <laughs> like, what? Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was Moses. Well, not reincarnated, but it's the story of, Mo- of Moses' life. That is Moses. The second thing is that King Solomon tells us be very weary of accepting criticism from other people. Be very weary. Now, we look at the Mishnah. The Mishnah tells us that who is a wise person, one who accepts criticism from everyone, right? You learn from the child. You know, children are very honest, right? You want to know if food tastes good? Ask your children, right? They'll tell you, ugh, it's disgusting, right? right? They'll tell you straight, right? And we, we try to, that's the, one of the problems that we have is we try to, teach our children to have manners or to be more polite so now they should just not say the truth right right you want them to say the truth in a more pleasant way right there's nothing wrong with you we want them to say the truth we don't want them to run away from it but criticism king solomon tells us in proverbs he says be very weary of people giving you criticism because Many times, like the Talmud tells us, one who reprimands his fellow is really reprimanding himself. It may be pointed at you, but really, if they were honest, they'd say, you know what? It's really me that's selfish. It's really me. What I see negative in someone else is really my own negative. It's a reflection, exactly. So, hmm? projection right so what happens is is that if someone else is criticizing me i have to very carefully evaluate whether or not this applies to me because if i'm just a puppet and say you know what this one you know the 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 joke they say is as follows is a yemenite couple that got married and uh, one of the wealthy uncles gave them a donkey as a gift so it was very nice now they have a way to travel from place to place so so they, after they leave the wedding hall, they're, you know, they're so excited, and the groom gets on the donkey, and his bride is walking right next to them. So, they <laughs> so people pass by, and they say, that's the way you treat your bride the day of the wedding. You're wa- riding on the donkey, and she's walking. He says, you know what? You're right. So he gets off the 
donkey and he puts the bride on the donkey. He passes by a group of people and the group of people say, that's, that's what happens the day after the wedding, the, 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 right after the wedding, she's already controlling you. She's riding the donkey and you're walking, right? Okay, you know what, you're right. So they both get on the donkey. They both get on the donkey and then people say, poor donkey, two people sitting on one donkey. Poor donkey. They said, you know what, you're right. So they go and they start carrying the donkey on their backs. <laughs> and people pass by and they look, look, three donkeys, right? <laughs> That's what happens when we, where we just, someone says something, oh, I better change this. I be no, evaluate it. Evaluate whether or not this really applies to you. Does this really fit me? And just because someone said it, and even if they said it passionately, even if they were angry, they were mad, they were, they were uh, you know, firm, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference. You're the one who needs to apply it to your lives, right? Each and every one of us, respectively. We have our lives. We are the ones who need to evaluate every single thing that someone tells us because more times than not, you will realize that the people saying things to you are angels that God put there to say certain things to you, to inspire you, to alert you, to wake you up to something. You go back to them like, you know, I wanted to talk to you about what you spoke, spoke to me this morning. You mentioned something. And they're like, what? I have no, I I no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Right? I, I have no recollection. What do you mean? We just stood over there a few minutes ago. You told me something, right? And... Like, I have no recollection, no idea. And you wonder, how does that happen? I've had that numerous times to, to, to come back to people who've, you know, criticized me on something, come back to ask them about their criticism. They're like, I, I think you got some, it's wrong. It's someone else, right? And I, I feel like it was like the Almighty put words into their mouth to wake me up. So, Yes. experiences I got it. Thank you. First is I wish I was learned. I'm trying to learn as much as possible. But but um, here's the, the, the thing. Of course it's a process. And think of it like a diet. No one just loses 10 pounds in a day. If you do see a doctor, <laughs> right? No one does. It's a process, right? So what's the inspiration for that process? Okay, that could be different things. One person could be from, you know, someone who had a heart attack. Uh-oh, I better be careful. I better, I better lose weight. I better, I better eat healthier. For another person, it might be, you know what? They saw a show about uh, the biggest loser, right? And they said, you know what? That's what could happen to me if I don't, if I don't uh, start. Or if a friend tells them, you know what? Let's go. Let's do something together. Let's, let's have a competition. Let's, you know. Or someone just doesn't feel comfortable. Right? Whatever the reason is, Right? As long as someone is on the path of change, right, that's a very healthy place to be in. It's an uncomfortable place because we love our stability, we love our 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 routine, right? Even leaving this place today, okay, you leave Congregation Beth Yishon here today. I guarantee you that if you always make a right turn out of the driveway, you're going to make a right turn out of the driveway, and if you may always make a left turn out of the driveway, you're going to make a left turn out of the driveway. You know why? Because we're people of ha we're creatures of habit, 
and you know exactly how you like to get back on the highway and off the highway and where you go like this and where you go because we don't like change. One of the exercises we gave in the other Musa class, I said, tonight I want you to take a different, oh, different way home. Just because. Because you're in charge. Because you decide how you drive. Not your, pa- not your habits. And you know what? People come back to me and say, you know, it's the most difficult thing in the world. I have my certain patterns. I have my certain habits. And I just want to stick to those habits. Because that's what we're familiar with. And we don't want to go away. That's what we're not familiar with. Think of that in the way we speak. Think of that in the way we eat. Think of that in the way change is uncomfortable. But that's when the magic happens. It's once you get to that state where you're ready to let go, that's where the magic happens. Our reactions to things. Someone's, you know when people get angry when things don't go their way? Right, so you call up uh, AT&T and you're upset because your internet's not working properly, because your phone is not whatever, it's not downloading, whatever, whatever it is, okay? You're not getting phone calls, right? So you t- talk to the person, they try to diagnose it, and so you start getting frustrated. It's like, what are you getting, what are we getting angry on someone who absolutely has nothing they can do to help us? They, you, know what, you know what it has on their screen? You know what it says on their screen? Okay, if you ever look if you can, look behind the register at Randall's and Kroger and any of these. You know what the first thing that it says over there? Did you greet the customer? Yes. Hi, did you find everything okay today? Yes. Right? It's, it's, they don't have over there the ability to go to the settings to change things. Right? It's called stupid proof. Okay? That's what, I'm not kidding. That's what they call it. Right? They stupid proof the system so that you can't make a mistake. You can't. So now, this person is on the phone, and you say the word battery, okay? Uh-oh, I'm going to look at battery. Okay, did you restart your phone? Because that's what it says there for them. They don't. They, we're getting frustrated with what? Because it's not going our way the way we want it to go. Right? If all we do is just change that perspective a little, it can change our lives. Think of what the other person is experiencing for a second. Think of now, when we're talking about appreciation, it's much simpler. Appreciation is very simple. You received something. Right? We have ear to breathe. We have sight. We have vision. We have the ability to hear. We have the ability to feel, touch, to smell. I mean, these are unbelievable gifts. The fact that we have it, God already prepaid us. He prepaid us. He says, I'm giving it to you in advance. All I want you to do is let's have some relationship here. Right? I'm, I'm ready to give and give and give and give. But, like you mentioned, sometimes God says, I'm not willing to give. Wake up. And we see this with, with Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel. They were barren. God says, no, 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 no. I give you, I give you, I give you. I'm not giving you because I want your prayers. Because I want you to connect to me. I'm going to take it away. I'm going to take away your ability because I desire those prayers. I desire that connection. And when God had that connection, when they had that connection that was appropriate, God opened their womb. Right? So it was a whole... Right, that it's not just, oh, back then, 3,300 years ago, that's the way God communicated, and today he doesn't. No. Today, of course he does. Our sages tell us when you stub your toe... When you bang your head, right, you, on anything, right, guess what? It's Hashem telling you something. Something having to do with that limb. Maybe you stubbed your toe because you could have done a mitzvah and you didn't. So you were lazy with your feet. You didn't go walk. So now God is giving us a little bit of a wake-up call to that, right? There, th- we could live blindly and none of this will bother us. We can take that red pill. And you'll never be, it'll, it'll never occur to you. Or we can take the blue pill, right? That's from, uh, from the Matrix, right? And we'll see the challenges of life. And we'll see the abilities of, going, of having ups and downs and ups and downs. And, and, and facing a life of challenge, but a life of greatness. Yes? Are you saying that when people die, it's 
Absolutely. Absolutely. No one comes to this world and no one leaves this world without God saying, this is the time. This is the time for birth. This is the time for death. Which is why, by the way, just from a halachic standpoint, that's why we don't, we don't induce labor unless it's medically required. Just because, you know what, family weekend is December 25th, we're all going away, so I don't want it to interfere with the family weekend, so I'm just going to induce the baby at the beginning of December so that I can go on the vacation with everyone. Well, that's because of your convenience. Don't do it. Right? Inducing babies? Okay. <laughs> no, because I'll tell you why. Because the moment that a person is supposed to be born, the constellations are all aligned for that person's, uh, uh, that person's character to be infused into them at that moment, in that location. Right? So when... when Life is to build that relationship and to accomplish. When God says, this person finished their tasks, right? God says, now I want my soul back. I want that soul that was part of me, so to speak. I want it back. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. God has a crown. God has a crown. And that crown has beautiful, beautiful gems. Now, my father was a diamond dealer. My father, there, there's, there are you know, stones that would be marked as E. Anybody know what E is? No, no, so right, so you have the color E, but you also have E after you, you, you have the, 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 the details of the stone, they'll have an E there. And the E is to tell you that it's an enhanced stone. What they do is, is that they infuse the stone with chemicals, and it takes away the, the, the imperfections. It'll take away the cloudiness, It'll enhance the color a little bit. All of these different things, right? So these chemicals are infused in there. To the naked eye, no one can tell the difference. It's not a CZ. It's a real diamond, but it's infused. It's enhanced, okay? Throughout our lifetime, okay, when, so when a baby is born, God gives us that gem. He says, here, I'm taking this gem, which is imperfect. There's no perfect stone out there, by the way. He takes that gem that's perfect from, that's not perfect, sorry, from his crown, and gives it to us, puts it, that's our soul. He says, I'm going to give you all of these opportunities throughout your lifetime to clean this stone, to perfect it, to make it sparkle. And as soon as you're done, I want that gem to put it back so it can sparkle in my crown. That's life. Life is we have that gem, which is our soul, and God gives us all of the tools we need to perfect it, to infuse it, to enhance it, to make it the most beautiful glistening, perfect uh, uh, gem. And at the time when it's over, right, God takes it and says, I want it, I want it back. I want to I put it in my crown. I want to show it off, right? Now, we're living here in a physical world where we think like the worst thing in the world is death. There's nothing worse than death. But that's not true. Our sages tell us that if you take all of the pleasures of this world, Every single, you know that when a baby comes to this world, it cries too. You know why it cries? Because it was in a very good place till now, right? And in, in its existence, it says, I just died. Right? It's terrible. And then we come here and say, no, you have so much opportunity. You have so much you can accomplish. You have so much you can do, so much you can be. And we buy flowers and we buy balloons and we, we're so excited. Mazel tov, because here there's a new, new opportunity. You know what? It's an amazing thing. You know why when people look at a baby, they smile? It's an amazing thing. Yeah, people are angry, people who are mad, people who are sad, people, they see a baby, you walk into an elevator, everyone's like, right? You walk in with a baby, right? Everyone's like, hey, right? what are you smiling? What's, what do people smile? What do they find in a baby? They f they f opportunity. Potential. Right? Everybody smiles at opportunity. That's the way life is. Life is a series of opportunities where God says, I'm giving you all of the opportunities. Now, the reason why we love life is because we want more opportunity. That's why life when, li when life ends, it makes us sad because there's no more opportunity. It's over. There's no more change. We can't give that donation that we wanted to give 
after we die. We can't, there's all of these limitations. We can't do those mitzvahs. We can't visit those sick people. There's no way we can, we can help our neighbor or our friend anymore. It's done. That's sad. That's very sad that we don't have that opportunity. Unless we focus in this world to do those things and set them up long term. I will, I, if you want, I, I want to share a story, but I don't want it to be, to be arrogant. But it was like, it, it was an incredible shock to me. So my nephew was in a yeshiva. And the yeshiva happens to be the same yeshiva I learned in 25 years earlier. Right? He learned there, but almost 25 years later. And I asked him, so oh, how's the yeshiva? Now there are many, some of the rabbis passed away already. You know, it's, it's already a different place, but it's still the same yeshiva. So I asked him, he has a, just asked a question. When I was there, you know, it says in halacha that you shouldn't eat a meal without discussing a word of Torah. You shouldn't eat a meal without discussing a word of Torah. So when I was in yeshiva, I started this system where we had a daily halacha that we said at the table, and I went around to each table, said the halacha, and sat down. We all, you know, I, came, I just went to each table, said the halacha, and that way it was... So I asked him if they did it. He says, yes, they do it. For 20 years they've been doing it at this yeshiva since I was there. Right? Now, I hope I can get all those merits for every single guy who went through that yeshiva every single meal morning afternoon and evening that they say a halacha because of an idea that i started i started at once at my, at my table and the guy from the table behind us said hey why don't you just uh you know tell it to us as well if you're ready you're ready at it and i had this little notebook that i used and i would every day it would be a little, one little line one short little line who, who knows I, I i hope i would have this merit that for 25 years, Torah is being learned every single breakfast, lunch, and supper in that yeshiva by 200 students. And it's free. It's like, it's interest. It's interest. It just goes right into my account. And who knows if, the, if someone who inspired me to do that, perhaps, could be getting interest on that. And it's an endless. You see, the thing is the difference between this world that we live in and in the real world of, of, of the, the world of truth, we call it olam ha'emet, the world of truth, which is after we pass on, is because we think, here, I have a phone here, okay? What happens if I give you the phone? Yeah, so who has it? You do, and I don't, right? And that's the way we see life, is that if I have a dollar and I give you the dollar, you have it and I don't. And you pass it on, and then who has it? She does, and you don't. But it says that the Torah and the mitzvahs are like a candle, are like a fire. And if you have a candle, if we all have a candle and I light your candle, so now we both have light. It doesn't diminish mine that you have. And when you light someone else's, it doesn't diminish ours that you lit someone else's. On the contrary, it just adds more. See, we're, f we're familiar with this, like this, uh, this pyramid scheme. There's only a finite amount of money. There's only a finite amount of success. And then we have to divide it between all of the parties involved. That's not true. There's an infinite number of reward. It's infinite. And the more we do for others, the more we, ben more we benefit, the more they benefit. They go continue to do that to others. We get interest on it. Right, so if you start an organization that does acts of kindness, and then you you know what you're not involved with it anymore. Eventually, you retire from it. Other people are running it. You get interest on that forever. Right, it's the whole concept of tzedakah. The whole concept of charity is not that I'm I'm giving. The idea is is that now this lives on. If I buy a watch, so the watch dies eventually. It's over. So I I don't have this money anymore. But if I give it to a synagogue, give it to Torah study, that lives on forever. That's why people like to donate a sitter in memory of someone or a chumash in memory of someone. You know why? Because every time that chumash and sitter is being used, that person who it's dedicated in memory of gets a reward for it. So they live on. But imagine if we didn't wait till the passing of someone, if we did it in our lifetime, if we did it now, 
And we said, you know what? I'm investing eternity into now. So my good deeds don't just die when I'm over, right? But they, they continue to, to live on. I know everyone's rushing, so I'm just going to finish up really quickly. And next week, we're starting a new topic already. So appreciation is the key to many traits. We said it's the key to happiness. It's also the key to faith. When you appreciate everything Hashem does for you, your faith grows. When you realize, and I, I, I'm sorry, I apologize, there's an organization called Thank You Hashem. And they make this incredible swag. And I called them up and I said, can you please send me these wristbands, they have these beautiful wristbands that say thank you Hashem on it. And I, I asked them for the class so that when we're doing this topic of appreciation, we should always remember we should have these, these bands on our, on our hands, but I forgot them at home, so I apologize. Hopefully next week I'll bring them for everyone. Um, we can have a thank you Hashem. But the idea is the more you say thank you, the more you realize, you know what? Thank you. Thank you. God's right here. And by the way, it's the small things also. You know, my daughter told me my daughter now, is she has her, her learner's permit. And uh, she drives. I, I teach her in the morning. The first class, the first period in the morning is uh, I teach her. So we go to school together. And she drives. She always insists on driving. She wants to drive. She wants to drive. So she said, some th she said something very interesting. She said to me that on Yom Kippur, when she was praying, one of the things she asked for is that she should never be stuck in an intersection. You know? <laughs> You know those intersections like you're waiting for the cars from here and the cars from here? And without fail, every single morning, that intersection is clear. Every single morning. And she says, thank you, Hashem. Like, it's like, it's the most beautiful thing. Every single morning she gets there, she's like, is this unbelievable? Like, she, she prayed for it. And when I'm there, I have to wait six minutes on this side and then halfway through and you have to wait for that cars from that side. It's clear. Every time, as she gets there, it's clear. She says, God, you're so freaking awesome. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So the more we say thank you, the more we say thank you, the more our, our faith, the more our connection with Hashem grows. We should get used to saying, thank you, Hashem. Thank you. Thank you for the coffee. Smell the coffee. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you. Right? Get used to saying it. Ha kindness. Kindness, when we appreciate what others do for us, we will want to reciprocate. We learned this in the Talmud, Thinking Talmudist class on Friday this, this past week at 12 o'clock at the Torch Center. We just discussed this idea is that when you do an act of kindness for someone else, you have to tell them. You have to tell them. Right? You do something. You see someone's car door is open. They left the, the, the light is on. Right? You pass by. You just close the door for them. Tell them that you did something, an act of kindness. You know why? Because now they will love you for it, and that love will be reciprocated, right? You did it for them out of love, that love will grow. When you help someone's child out, let the parents know. The Talmud says if you give a child a piece of bread, you have to tell the parents that you fed their child. What do you, why do you have to tell their parents? So they, they should know that you cared about their child, right? You should send the sign home a sign, some, some way of knowing. It's like when my child comes home from school and they come home with a pin on their shirt, right, that they need, they need uh, uh, a change of clothes at school or they, you know, whatever it is. We fed the, your child, uh, you know, uh, an extra glass of milk. They'll note it down on the note. So the parents should know, right? It's important for school to let them. But just as, as if you do it for someone, a, f a friend, a neighbor, right, you help them out, let them know, Right? Respect. When, you, when we appreciate, we respect others. So there are many excellent traits that come as a derivative of appreciation. We start our day with the words Modeani. We thank you for being a trustworthy keeper of our soul while we sleep and that you return it to us in the morning when we arise. Recognize the animals, the plants, and even the pits, the wells from which you drink from. You have a, a dog right? You have a cat, you have a pet that you're excited about, that you're, right? You have a teddy bear. Whatever it is, if you enjoy, appreciate. Don't, don't neglect your appreciation. Don't refuse to recognize the good, the good that you enjoy. So in conclusion, we should try to be conscious of all the amazing things that are done for us by others every single day whether it's our spouse, our children, our friends, our relatives, our neighbors, or even Hashem. Appreciate it verbally. 
and you'll feel the love they have for you, and naturally, you'll return that love. My dear friends, thank you so much. Have a terrific week, and go on appreciating. Thank you, Hashem, for such a great class, um, and thank you for, for all of you being here and for inspiring me, um, and have an amazing week, and go get them.